Chapter Twenty One of Neighbours by Florence Morse Kingsley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Harry said, "Mrs. Schwartz, why didn't you go to the meeting last night?" Mrs. Schwartz's rosy face wore a slightly anxious expression as she gazed across the breakfast table at her son, pleasantly engaged on his fourth muffin. "I didn't see you in the gallery or anywhere," she concluded, passing him the butter. I didn't say I was going," said Harry, watching a lump of butter sink luxuriously out of sight in the steaming interior of his muffin. Where did you go? The young man gazed across the table at his pretty little mother. Well, he said slowly, I did have a hazy notion of stopping at the church. I've been practicing up with the choir, you know. Yes, I know you have," she prompted him, her blue eyes searching his face. It was a wonderful sermon. I never heard anything like it. Hmm," murmured her son, folding his napkin with unnatural care. She followed him into the hall. Harry, yes, mother. I heard something that worried me terribly last night. You did. He took down his straw hat from the rack. And examined it with frowning intentness. You don't want to let that sort of thing worry you, mother," he said. "There's a lot of old tabbies around this town who haven't anything better to do except. Oh, yes, I know. But this was well. Never mind who it was. I heard you've been seen talking to that French girl, and that she. Well, what of it? What's the harm in speaking to a pretty girl? Oh, Harry! What's the matter? He repeated. You knew I was taking French lessons with her father. I told you so a long time ago. He threw his hat up in the air and caught it twice. The third time it struck the gas fixture with a jingling sound. Please listen, Harry. You make me nervous throwing that hat around. You'll break the globe. If I do, I'll buy another. There was a boastful note in her son's voice which did not escape Mrs. Schwartz. Then it's true," she decided, clasping her hands. "Oh dear! And I said I knew it wasn't. I said you wouldn't think of doing such a thing. As what? Why, as marrying a foreigner?" Harry burst into uproarious laughter. That's what you did, mother," he accused her. "You're a great one to talk about marrying a foreigner now, aren't you?" "Your father was born in America," she reminded him with dignity. "And besides, that's different. A French girl." "Now see here, mother," he said gravely. "In the first place, I don't know as I have the ghost of a show with Madeleine." His mother made an inarticulate sound, expressive of extreme unbelief. And even, even if she, even if I, her father wouldn't look at me. He hates everything German like poison. He thinks I'm French. Harry smiled rather sheepishly under his mother's incredulous stare. He thinks you're French! She exclaimed, horror stricken. What would your grandfather say? Rather hazily, he sketched the circumstances which had resulted in the small deception. 
"'What a thing for a girl to do,' she commented. "'I should never have thought of it.' "'Of course not,' agreed Harry. "'You would never have thought of it. "'Pretty clever, eh? "'I've meant to explain, you know, all along. "'But hearing the old duffer rave about the war, "'our brave compatriots and all that sort of thing, "'I haven't done it yet. "'Cause some time or other—' "'It's your duty to tell him right away, Harry,' his mother said solemnly. "'I'm afraid Mr. Pilgrim would say you were a regular hypocrite. "'You should have heard what he said about hypocrites, Harry. "'It was awful!' "'Harry tossed up his hat once more, "'and then suddenly he threw his arms around his mother "'and stooped his tall head to her neck. "'Say, Ma,' he whispered coaxingly. "'Well, Harry, I wish... I wish you'd go and see Madeline. Oh, she's the sweetest, dearest, but I'm afraid she's way over my head. Mrs. Schwartz held her boy jealously fast. You're too young to be thinking of such things, Harry. It's downright foolish. I'm as old as father was when you were married. No, I didn't realise. Dear, dear, how the time does fly. It seems only yesterday that you were running around in dresses. And you go and see her, Ma? Mrs. Schwartz drew a deep sigh while she patted her boy's crisp curling hair. I suppose I'll have to if you... Oh, but if her father... He kissed her hurriedly. Oh, thanks, Mother. You're the best ever. Goodbye, and don't worry. Harry walked very fast till he was well out of sight of his mother's tearful gaze. Then he lapsed into frowning thought, which at last halted his steps in front of an inconspicuous building on the main street. A flight of dusty stairs confronted him when he opened the door. He mounted them, still slowly. A door at the top of the stairs stood ajar, and a subdued clicking of typewriters filled the corridor. "'No, sir,' he heard someone say in what might be termed a dry business voice. "'I don't doubt what you tell me is okay, "'But, you see, we don't employ Germans at the plants, "'hyphenates or any other sort. "'Our Canada folks are firm on that point.' "'A man, his hat pulled low on his forehead, "'plunged angrily down the stair. "'Harry stood aside to let him pass.' Then he entered the door, purporting to usher one into the temporary offices of the Merck's Munitions Company. The man with the business voice had not yet resumed his place behind his desk when Harry entered. He glanced sharply at the newcomer. "'Right-o, we're advertising for a few more men,' he said in answer to Harry's question. With the information, he slid an application blank across the flat-top desk. "'Fill it in.' he commanded crisply. No use wasting your time or ours. His own time, it appeared, could be used to advantage in whistling Tipperary between closed teeth. Harry vaguely recognised the tune as he examined the card. It contained spaces for the applicant's name, age, nationality, and other data supposedly pertinent to the manufacture of ammunition. <laughs> What's the matter? asked the clerk jauntily. Can't you read and write? Harry's ears turned scarlet. 
he wrote with fierce little jabs and dashes and in scowling silence flipped the card into the hand waiting to receive it the clerk nonchalantly narrowed his gaze upon it shifting his whistle to the corner of his mouth henry lanour that what you call yourself eh foreign ain't it i'm american born said harry thickly ah, just so but we're being kind of particular what brand well as long as it ain't german and you want to be a guard mm-hmm well now you take this card out to the plant main office and ask for mr mills i've okayed it see a man with indignant grey eyes stood near the door in an attitude of surprised attention as harry still red and perspiring visibly passed out his card clutched tight in his hand the two exchanged swift glances of appraisal where have i seen that chap harry was asking himself as he hurried away his hat jammed low on his sweating forehead he wanted something to divert his attention from too close a contemplation of himself at the back of his mind there already arose a clamour of protest demanding his swift return to the recruiting office of the merks munitions plant what go back there and own up to the name of schwartz and let that blooming jay kick me down the stairs he asked his boyish conscience which had received much coddling at the hands of his mother and was therefore alive and kicking what's the harm in calling myself lenoir i'd like to know means the same as schwartz both of them mean black henry black that's my name by rights by george i've a good mind to change to henry black some time or other i'm sick of being a hyphenate an hour later the good french name henri lenoir was set down on the payroll of the merks concern at a weekly wage which would soon finish paying for harry's building lot in imagination he already beheld there a half-shingled house with dormers and a red roof the thought of madeleine as the mistress of this modest air-castle gave the knock-out blow to conscience which finally ceased its feeble protests altogether amid the engrossing industries of the munitions plant late that afternoon harry again encountered the young fellow he had seen in the town office he was engaged in checking up the finished product which had already begun to be assembled in vast piles and serried ranks in the shipping warehouse harry unused to thoughts of bloodshed and destruction felt a slight shudder stiffening his blond hair at the sight of those long rows of murderous shells but it appeared quite otherwise with the stranger the look of anger and vague disgust which harry had noted in the morning had given place to one of rapt enthusiasm so intent was the young man upon his work that he did not glance up as harry passed that fellow's name is hobbs said the man who had been deputed to coach harry in his new duties you'll find him here every day afternoon mornings he works in the filling shed harry turned for a second look at the man who was engaged in counting the day's product with such an air of triumph and once more that vague shiver passed along his spine his mother met him at the door when he came home that night tired and dusty your grandfather's here she said in the suppressed voice she always used in announcing the large authoritative presence in the splint-bottomed chair and harry your father says you haven't been at the building loan office for two days 
Nathan Scrimger came over to the shop to see if you were sick. Harry scowled. I've quit the building loan, he said sullenly. Never get anywhere working for that bunch. Got another job with a live concern. Why, Harry, exclaimed his mother. Why, Harry. He edged past her and raced up the back stairs to his room, uneasily aware of his grandfather's booming voice in the parlour. Should he face the old man and tell him what he'd done? Some sort of explanation would be required of him, he knew, probably at the supper table. It's none of grandfather's business, he told himself, as he strove to drown the dominant German gutturals in a rush of water from the faucet. I've a right to earn my living any darn way I like. I'm an American. He could hear his mother stepping briskly about the kitchen, while the tantalising odours of freshly baked biscuit and broiling ham floated up the open stairway. Harry flung his six feet of sturdy length on the banister and slid noiselessly down. Supper most ready? he inquired in a whisper. Gee, that ham smells good. Harry, said Mrs. Schwartz nervously, I wouldn't get to arguing with your grandfather tonight if I were you. And Harry... Yes, mother? I called your father out to the kitchen a minute ago to pry the top off the jar of pickles, and I told him not to mention your leaving the building loan at supper. You can explain afterward. A conscience-stricken blush mounted to Harry's forehead. Mother, he said fervently, you're some brick. End of chapter 21